It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Welcome in! I feel like I always end up on the Friday shows. Uh... Friday afternoon edition it Friday? of it is Friday. Is it, oh. it is Friday, right? Okay, yeah, it's Friday. Yeah, uh, you're right. You're right. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> you caused me to doubt myself. Uh Friday afternoon edition, DNVR Avalanche Podcast. Jesse, Megan, AJ here with you guys. Uh Rudo was supposed to be here, uh, but this super fun windstorm that's been blowing through Denver since uh yesterday evening has knocked out his power. So, uh, he might join us at some point. He might not. Who's to say? Uh, we wanted to get this one going for you guys as close to on time as we possibly could. Uh, so, that's what we're doing. End of the week. Avs coming off a, uh, a nice win last night. Six to four. They just continue to get it done with this kind of hodgepodge half AHL roster. Uh, sounds like Martin Kaut may be going to meet the team in Boston exactly as we predicted, uh, earlier in the week he would. Um, so we'll see what happens there. If it's Anton bleed, if it's John Luke foodie, um, we will get into some of that as we kind of wind down the show a bit, but first, Uh, how much, how much have you guys talked about the kid in post game pods? JL foods. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, man. A moderate amount. Rudo and I talked about him in the post game last night, and I'm trying to think if we gave him a call out after that Winnipeg game. We didn't, cause not not a huge nod, honestly, because of mm-hmm. what happened in that game wasn't his showing, but there was a bit to unpack. Yeah, I mean, he was a total train wreck in that game. Do, do you guys want to start here? Let's start no. with Let's start with Foodie. Yeah, let's start. I was just curious. I haven't I haven't watched any of the shows, so I, I Wow, wow. No, I'm kidding. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I would not let us not talk about John Luke Foodie. I I mean I assumed just because we do we always do a good job of getting into the stuff that fans care about, but uh, you know, I was just curious. No, let's 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 start there because I, I didn't get to be on the post game show last night. Um so yeah, so we are we are going to get into uh, this central division and kind of where the abs are falling right now. Not necessarily just in the standings, but kind of um, in terms of like the power rankings, if you will, where where we kind of see them falling with the Dallas's and the Nashville's and the Winnipeg's and all that stuff. But uh, no, let's let's start here instead. Instead of winding down with this, um, if if we don't see John Luke Foodie uh, tomorrow. I guess, what are kind of your guys' impressions of him in his two NHL games? 
Uh, Megan, I made the comment to you last night. I didn't think he looked out of place. Um, I thought he, you know, he had that uh, play there in the corner where he actually drew a penalty, uh, getting physical, uh, mixing it up with guys. And I made the comment. It's a great way to get Bednar's attention. Just to recapture, I didn't even have a huge issue with how he looked in the Winnipeg game because I had an issue with how everyone looked in the Winnipeg game and his shortcomings defensively were very obvious in that game specifically um, and he was sheltered, which was to be expected, but not as much as I thought he would be. And I think the biggest thing is he is still raw to be an NHL regular. I don't think anyone had an expectation otherwise, but he did, in my opinion, stack up well against and alongside NHL talent from a playmaking standpoint. Um, I liked the creativity that I saw in him and the confidence in him to do it too. The chemistry seemed to be building between him and Newhook in this most recent game. Um, so I really was hoping to get one more game to see how that line develops if he was to join them in Boston and stay for that game at least. Um, so the offensive upside excites me. He teases at something that definitely I think he has NHL mind when it comes to the offensive side of the game. It's the defensive side, which has already been pointed out to him that I think he could stand to work on a little bit more. And we've talked about it. That's a value system that they're really working on with him in Loveland presently. So I do still think that there is uh, work to be done there because that side of his game, the physicality, like how he can goes toe to toe physically with NHL size players is an area that I think he would be vulnerable if he were in the, in the NHL today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's not guaranteed that he gets sent back down. Uh, but if, if Martin Cout is in fact joining the team, uh, it's really one of him or Anton bleed AJ, uh, you got to see him in person, uh, in, in Winnipeg, uh, for his limited ice time and, and what wasn't really a great game for the abs, uh, your thoughts on him on, uh, on that night. And then, uh, from what you saw from him last night. Um, I'm seeing him live. Uh, I have felt like I was on an Island, uh, that I thought, I thought he was, I, I thought that was one of the worst NHL debuts we've seen in years. Um, <laughs> Him and Jordan Gross last year in that disaster of a game in Nashville. Those are the two worst debuts that I think I've that I can recall um, in a long, like in a long time. Uh, it would, it, I'd have to go back into the like the depths of the David Vandergolics of the world uh, to to try and find one that I thought was worse than what Foodie was in Winnipeg. And Megan's right; the whole team was bad that night, and so it's tough to single out Foodie and be like. You, it was you. Um, I thought, but I thought I I was blown away by how bad I thought it was. I didn't I didn't find any redeeming qualities in his game. Um, and then I wrote about it in the piece after the game that I hope I hope that the Abs keep him so that he gets a, a a shot at redemption in game two. They did. He did. He took advantage of it and. Last night's performance was exactly the the kind of thing that says that 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 shows you why the team picked him, why the team has been high on him, why the team has worked so hard to try and develop him. Because uh, just from a stylistic standpoint, there is no player in Colorado's system 
who better fits their raw identity, mm-hmm. uh, how they want to play the game at the NHL level than Jean-Luc Foudy. He's tailor-made to be an Av. And we saw why last night. We saw the skating. We saw we saw a little bit of the feistiness, you know, that, that mm-hmm. hairpin trigger. He got hit and was like, all right. And, you know, saw a man with his back turned and decided to go lay some wood. So... You know, you you like that he stood up for himself. You like that he wasn't afraid of that physicality because, uh, to reiterate Megan's point, the the physicality is one of the concerns with him at the NHL level. Is is he going to be is he going to be comfortable with that? Uh, with with that, you know, guys are going to be all over him, and guys are going to want to hit him, and over and over and over. And is he going to? shy away from that contact or is he going to embrace that contact and uh you know his his skill level you know every guy that makes it to the nhl even the bottom tier guys those guys have skills they can play Mm -hmm. they're pretty pretty damn good hockey players but when you get into the nhl you know how hard you're willing to work and how hard you're willing to fight for ice is one of those things that separates you and I think we saw with Foodie last night just a, a much a much better overall package, uh, a much better overall presentation of, of who he is as a player uh, and his skills and the vision and the skating and all of that. Like, it all popped, and it's easy to see why. I, I still think he's not ready. Um, mm. I, I think he'll... Uh, if if Cout actually gets uh, if if Cout joins the team and rejoins the lineup immediately, I think he's probably first to go, which sucks because Colorado's fourth line was an absolute abomination last night and almost cost them that damn game. Um, and I would I I would have Anton Bleed be first on the chopping block, but of course I say that right. Um, but I. I don't. I. I just um, with Foodie. I there was a lot that I. I. I the game two. Like I'm willing to bend game one, and I'm glad that he got game two as an opportunity to show that what I thought was a just a brutal game one um, was was not who was not representative of who he is. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't think his first game was that bad, but yeah, no, it definitely wasn't. No, definitely nobody wasn't else good. did apparently. Uh, I, I read around all through abs, everything. And I was like, maybe this just looked a lot worse live. I don't know. Maybe I was just high that night. I definitely was not high that night. It was a cold and snowy bullshit night. Well, I mean, it's, I think a lot of it is kind of like what Megan was saying of like watching it on TV. Nobody was good. And so it was kind of hard to pick out individuals who really struggled, but being there, you know, it's, it's, it is, it's easier. And this is, why we go to games right it's you can isolate in on guys you can give a little bit more attention to what is this guy doing maybe away from the puck or you know whatever so i mean i don't doubt for a second as you being the only one there that you saw it a little bit differently than everyone else like i don't think that's that outlandish (laughs) like of an idea at all um but no i mean I, i think we're all in agreement that that first game wasn't great um second game was much 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 better uh, and it's going to be interesting. Look, I, I think we're all expecting it to be uh, Anton Bleed that that sticks uh, and Foodie to be sent back down. But Megan and I were just having the conversation the other day that, look, 
it's hard to not call it a change in philosophy for this avalanche organization in terms of who they're calling up, how they're giving guys looks. I mean, like literally Jared Bednar told us the other night that they called up Oscar Alausen to get a, 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 a look at him to like gauge where he's at, uh, you know, at the NHL level. And, and, you know, we're just wanting to get a, 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 yeah, a gauge on how he looks next to these guys after a good camp. That is not something we've seen them do in the past. Um, yeah. Just, you know, kind of get that, that litmus test a little bit. And so I, I don't know, maybe they shock us a bit here. You know, I wanted to add a detail that I don't know if it's well known that when Alausen was called up, Foodie received a personal call from Bednar explaining like, hey, you're on our radar. It's, you know, this is why we're calling out Alausen now, but we are watching you. And Foodie knew that he was on the brink of being called up when Olausen got called up. He knew that he was in consideration for it and had a little bit of a heads up that this might happen. He just didn't know the exact timing of when. And I think that's a really interesting note from the organization that Bednar is giving personal calls to players that he's watching in their development and just giving them compliments and reinforcement. I think it's awesome to hear that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is, it is a big thing for him to um, look like, hey, we're keeping an eye on you, you know. Um, and I do think that communication with the AHL club is something that needed to get better over the last few years because you did have guys who felt like, what am I doing here? You know, why I'm, I'm, flying, I'm, doing, I'm playing really good hockey and they've told me that they like me and that this and that, but then I never get called up and I never hear from them and there's nothing. Right. And so I do think it is, it is good. And it is encouraging that, Hey, the NHL, the NHL head coach sees you uh, and is like, Hey, this, this is a guy. And look like that guy just won a Stanley cup. There's added gravitas there to that guy calling you up and saying, we think you might be able to help this team. Uh, as I'm trying to fix my microphone here. Well, no, so it's it's funny because I saw an interview with um, Tua Tungavailoa the other day, the quarterback for the uh, Miami Dolphins. And obviously there's all kinds of buzz around uh, their new head coach, AJ, we were talking about him on Twitter last night. Uh, it's Mike McDaniel, right? Yeah. McDaniels. Um, if, if you don't know anything about him, you should just go Google him, watch some videos, uh, you know, some YouTube stuff about this new Dolphins head coach. He's the man. Uh, but this interview with Tua, he was, he was talking about what a difference it's made having this, this new coach for him personally. And one of the things he said was, he goes, you know, I think most people, you hope most people know what it feels like to at some point in your life, in your career, work, school, whatever sports to have someone tell you that they believe in you and what a difference that makes. And to hear that story right there, like for a guy like Foodie and, you know, for, for these guys who are doing good things, who are, you know, playing well, are doing what is being asked of them. Um, you know, I, I was talking, uh, you know, Megan, I think it was on that video that we did the other day after practice where um, people can sometimes forget that there's a development plan for these guys. And a lot of the times that development plan is for them to play in the AHL and not get called up so that they can stay, you know, doing good things or, you know, playing big minutes, whatever it is, playing a bigger role. And it can be sometimes discouraging, I imagine, for those kids who are doing everything that they're asked. They're following that development plan. 
And at times in the past, maybe it feels like, holy shit, I'm doing everything they're asking of me. Is it being noticed? And I think even a small gesture, like a phone call saying, hey, we see you. We, we see that you're doing great things. We see that you're doing what's being asked of you. You're taking the necessary steps and you're on our radar. I mean, that could be enough to energize a guy, you know, give him enough of a boost, like go through the end of the year, uh, you know, really on a high note. And then to follow that up with an actual call up. Um, I think that's huge. Again, for a guy like Oscar Lawson, hey, we like what you're doing. We're going to reward you with a call up. It's just that vote of confidence, that vote of belief that, we see you, we like what you're doing, and we believe that that you can help us at the NHL level, at the AHL level, whatever it is. Um, and again, maybe that stuff has happened in the past. I, I don't know. Maybe those just aren't conversations that we're privy to, but you hear stuff like that. You see the call-ups, they've made some of the decisions. Um, and like I said, at the start of all of this, it's hard to not say that it seems like there's been some kind of change in philosophy here. And it's great to see. Uh, anything else on foodie? Kevin McDonald rules. That's all I'm going to yep. say. You know, I actually did want to talk about Kevin McDonald for a second too, because the Eagles have made some changes, right? They've got this PTO guy. Now they've just made a trade for a defenseman this morning. And I have to think that this is one a necessity, but two, thanks to the important scouting that Kevin McDonald knows his familiarity with both the NHL and the AHL is able to bring in talent that fits the needs of the Eagles identity easily. Like the guy that David Ferentz will be a good fit. David Ferentz, a good fit. And this uh, Cedric, the new centerman that they just brought in, unfortunately, I think he's brought in to spurred on by Maltsev's injury, probably being more serious than I have any information on beyond that. Um, But he fits in so immediately with this team, this new centerman that they have on the PTO right now. And it's just, I can, I can only credit Kevin McDonald for having scouted probably both of these players at different points, or at least doing due diligence um, to bring about players that immediately fit this team. So like, I haven't even seen David Ferentz play yet to be fair, but I just think that this is also a testament to Kevin McDonald's influence on this team and seeing a problem in the current Eagles lineup and fixing it. It's uh, it's it's been fun to watch the way that this team is transformed, and it really all does kind of go back to the uh, the first year with Jared Bednar, the forty eight point year that summer before when uh, the team really committed to uh, changing the direction and committing to a path, um, identifying types of players that they want to bring in, uh, and and really you know you you end up with when you have all of that in place, uh, it starts at the top, and and you you end up with what you got right now a, a successful AHL franchise, a Stanley cup winning NHL franchise. Uh, and, and it seems like everything they're doing is turning up aces. And like I said, that all starts with Joe Sackick. And speaking of Joe Sackick, FOCO is throwing it back to 1996 with a newly released Joe Sackick Stanley cup celebration bobblehead. Uh, or you can find your phantom with FOCO and all of their officially licensed avalanche gear. We have teamed up with FOCO to secure uh, your access to the best collectibles and gear around. And since the abs lifted the cup this year in 2022, keep that celebration going uh, alongside with your whole family this holiday season with exclusive championship collectibles and merch. Doesn't stop there. Check out the gear and the other merch for all of the Denver sports teams, uh, including uh, the new Rocky City Connect 
Uh, they got bobbleheads. They got all kinds of stuff. We got a big Broncos. Uh, what are the, the comfy, like the big oversized hoodies? I don't know if it's actually a comfy one, but uh, yeah, the, the giant oversized like fleece hoodie blankets. Uh, I could have used one last week at the bar. I, they hadn't gotten there yet. So I was having to like wrap myself in scars, to stay warm. But now I just got to throw on, uh, yeah, my, uh, my, my oversized hoodie there. Uh, so head on over to foco.com or click the link in this YouTube description. Uh, and for anything that is non-presale, use that code DNVR to get 10% off. Uh, literally, I've, I've already gotten stuff for uh, family members and stuff from them. So uh, head on over, foco, that's F-O-C-O. Also brought to you guys uh, by Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Uh, they have a beer for any occasion, and that includes right now the holidays. Uh, all their beers made with 100% renewable energy, and they have some uh, holiday time favorites like the Christmas Ale or the Buddy Pass. Uh, they have obviously the Avalanche Amber Ale, the Vanilla Porter Jr., uh, Mile High City Copper Lager, Broncos Country Pale Ale. Uh, the Fun Slinger, and the Good Company Hard Seltzers. Of course, they have those lemonade seltzers that I always love in the summer. It's a little too sad and depressing for me to have that summer vibe right now because then I'll just get bummed that I can't go drink it outside. Bro, uh, I don't even know that summer exists anymore. I think it's yeah, just a made-up concept by big media. <laughs> you need a, a big, big weather candle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Say, but i do thankfully have uh, all my uh candles to keep me nice and cozy here at yeah, home please send me sunshine and daffodils <laughs> uh enter your favorite uh beer into uh the uh excuse me enter your favorite beer lover into breck's nice list sweepstakes at breckbrew.com and search the nice list uh and of course use that breck beer locator to find where Breckenridge Brewery is available near you. DNBR Avalanche Podcast brought to you guys by DraftKings. Jesse, Megan, AJ, hanging out on a Friday. Uh, Friday afternoon, it's snow, or it's not snowy and gross here. It's just cloudy and gross here and windy. It is snowy and gross where AJ is. It's just gross all around weather-wise right now. Um, unless you're in like South Florida or Arizona. Boo to the weather right now. Or being maybe in San Diego. It's always Ooh, a great day. Dude, I love San Diego. Love San Diego. Um, all right. Weather seems nice, but Padres fans are the worst. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the uh, – you got to just stay near the water. Don't go into downtown. The Central Division, I think, is off to a start this year – I don't want to say that none of us expected. I, I actually think it's now kind of shaken out to this point, roughly where a lot of us thought it would be, but it has been a crazy ride getting here. Um, you, you've got this Dallas stars team. Uh, my, my favorite way to refer to them is the NHL's uh, favorite over 35 team. Uh, but now suddenly with this Jason Robertson out of nowhere, starting last year uh, and he's just on a tear this year to help keep them uh relevant not, not relevant but near the top of the division he's scoring points and goals at a connor mcdavid like pace uh you had the national predators who kind of stumbled out of the gates but have now started to find their game chicago and arizona had a really good start out of the gate and i actually don't think have won a game since we said that the first time 
And then you've got St. Louis, who are really kind of embodying what the entire NHL is right now. Where they dropped eight in a row, and then they won eight in a row. Uh, they're, they're winning bad games. They're losing good games. Uh, no one really has a good pulse on uh, what the St. Louis Blues are right now. Let's start in the bottom half of this. And I'm not going to ask if either of you guys have thoughts on where Chicago and Arizona are right now. It's all kind of expected, but um, did the way that those two teams started change at all how you looked at them or was it just they got off to a hot start? For me, like Arizona, I actually got a little worried for them for a second. I was like, oh my gosh, are they going to be like, too motivated to not be embarrassed and they're going to play their way out of this uh like the top of the lottery aj you looked pretty like no we we all knew this would happen no i mean i i don't even know how many times i said it this year but the the first month of the season is just a a landmine of lies uh (laughs) it's just there's so much stuff um that you can't reliably take from the first month of the season where if you go back and you look at the standings after the first month, even the, even, even getting into the start of December, it's like the, the good teams are typically good and stay good. Um, this year you're right in that they are, there are a case of extremes going around the league, but with Arizona and Chicago, no, there was never any temptation. Um, I think that they got off to a hot enough start that they have a good chance to avoid the ignominious distinction of joining the 48 point abs as like one of the worst, maybe the worst modern teams ever. Um, I will never I let think... Detroit fans forget that had it not been for COVID. Yeah. COVID bailed that, them out. That Detroit team would have owned that record, but. That's how you ignore that. That's something Avs fans and <laughs> that's where that rivalry is. Avs fans and Detroit fans get to fight about that now. <laughs> but Arizona, Arizona, Chicago, no. I, I just don't think that uh, even even with the starts that they had, we're talking like they were at like 500. I think Chicago was one game over 500 for a day. Yeah. And th- since then, you know, Chicago's one seven and two in their last ten. Arizona's three five and two, and it's like neat. They're ter- they're terrible teams. Um, the big difference is that Arizona might have really found something in Corral Vimelka. Um, we saw last year there were a lot of encouraging signs out of him. Um, they gave him a, a multi year deal, and look, Arizona, Arizona. If, if there's one thing, like they can't seem to figure out much as a franchise, but they've got it. They've got goaltending on lock. They everybody that goes down and goes through Arizona comes out better for it. Scott Scott Wedgwood spent a year there and is like a totally serviceable NHL goaltender. Um, I mean, dude, it goes all the way back whatever, to Ilya Dolov. I mean, it's it's a long like Darcy Kemper's career was done. He goes to Arizona and he turns it around. Now look at the guy, right? Look where his career is. Look at the reputation that he has uh, as as a good goaltender. Uh, and and that wasn't really the case. That started in Arizona. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. he was on waivers. Was like, I mean, that's that's the franchise that that helped resurrect Devin Dubnik's career. Like the. 
Arizona, Arizona just whatever it is about what they do at goaltending, they get it. And Vamelka mm-hmm. looks like he could be a, a, a serious, like deep dive find for that organization. Yeah, uh, Megan, anything to add on those bottom feeder teams? The reason it's not surprising to me. The starts they had and now what seems to be stabilizing for them is what they did in the offseason was more revealing of, I think, their intentions for the season. Like, I think Arizona, I would describe their offseason moves as neutral or laterally moving. And Chicago just completely blank slate, cleaned house, aiming, gearing up for a rebuild. Like, that's why it's unsurprising to me that these are two teams in the position that they're at. Two teams that are going to get worse, too, because if they if Arizona can ever figure out how to get rid of Jacob Chikrin for a price that it wants and Chicago moving Kane and Taves at the deadline, those are two teams that could really be, like, hardcore chasing mm-hmm. the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, <laughs> that's a great point. They, they haven't reached the bottom yet. Uh just, I'm just going to go upward here. We're just going to kind of do a quick run through and then we'll, we'll get into which teams you really need to kind of specifically be watching. Uh, again, I mentioned St. Louis off to a really weird start and then Nashville, uh, just not the start that maybe they had anticipated. Uh, you know, I mean, I guess they were looking for guys to have back-to-back career years and wouldn't you know it, that's just not quite the case yet. Uh, St. Louis, Megan, I'll start with you on this one. For me, this team, I mean, like, I don't know. I don't necessarily want to use the word pretender, but, like, they have a lot of telltale signs for a team that AJ says it every year. There's always one of those teams that everyone thinks is going to be good, and they just kind of miss the mark, don't make the playoffs. I look at their goaltending, and I look at the inconsistencies, and to me, this is a team that has all the telltale signs of, that one team that everyone thinks should be really good, but ends up missing. Uh, how do you kind of see the St. Louis blues? And then uh, if you have anything on the, on the Preds as well. I think with St. Louis, you're only as good as your goaltender. And it's such an emotional position. He has proven to be such a volatile and emotionally reactive goaltender. And I think some of his struggles could be attributed to that, that beyond just performance, I think that is, going to bleed into the culture in that locker room in a way that I think has presented an identity crisis in this St. Louis team. Like I look through the lineup and the production is pretty well distributed through a lot of their forward. And so I think that that is something that could be a benefit to them. But unlike some of these other teams, like even just looking at Nashville alongside it, Nashville is so top heavy. They have clear stars, right? In Forsberg and Duchesne. Um, Even Roman Yossi is still continuing to contribute offensively from the blue line. Like they have these star power qualities that are obvious even in other central division teams. Whereas with St. Louis, the star power qualities isn't as obvious to me that alongside the identity crisis and concern with goaltending just makes me, if I'm a St. Louis fan, a bit concerned because it feels volatile. I described Bennington that way, but it feels like it is so unstable and could really go a lot of different directions that I wouldn't count them out, right? This is a team that does have good leadership in Ryan O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, there are some big concerns that are going to be hard to address in a single season. Well, this comment that just came in, it says uh, from Anthony, David Perron was the glue that held everything together for St. Louis. Also, their D sucks. Um, I, we, I mean, we talked about that a bunch, that we thought that losing David Perron was a much bigger hit to that team than maybe they let on or a lot of people gave it credit for. 
Uh, this is a team that relied a lot on its, um, uh, you know, its depth scoring. We heard at nauseum about the nine 20 goal scores. Da, 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 da. Um, David Perron was kind of the heartbeat of that, the engine of that, that, uh, <laughs> drove that, that offense, that depth scoring, uh, yeah, you said, Megan, the, 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 the top end talent isn't as obvious there. Uh, AJ thoughts on St. Louis, Nashville, this group that's kind of making up the middle of the pack right now. Yeah. So St. Louis is, um, more than anything else, they're brutal defensively. Um, they might be one of the worst defensive teams in the NHL. Um, they're not good at five on five, just like they weren't very good at five on five last year, but Billy Huso's not there to bail them out. Jordan Bennington is once again, having a subpar season. Um, boof. Talk about streaky, though. I mean, he goes through, he'll have five games where he's got a 940 save percentage and then five games where he's an 860 goaltender. Right. And you're just like, that's too intense, man. Yeah. But yeah. if you go and you look at the underlings of that team, he's getting hung out to dry a lot. Um, he's probably actually played better than we want to give him credit for because we all hate him. Um, but the defense in front of him, the team in front of him, just defensively as a group, they're horrible, just horrible. Uh, and they're not uh, playing the way that they are right now. They're not going anywhere. Uh, they drive play uh, at, at a slightly above average rate. They actually do offensively. They are still, and look, like they're, they're deep at forward. You know, when you've got a Ryan O'Reilly and a Braden Shen and, Tarasenko and and Pavel Buchnevich mm-hmm. and Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas like that is a deep forward group they are talented they are more talented than they've shown this year Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas both got paid in the summer and there's always the big wonder what happens to young players who get paid because a lot of times those guys continue their ascent but there are there are very real concerns that Jordan Cairo in particular got paid and is happy. And uh, to be honest with you, being happy isn't part of the part of the playbook of being successful NHL player. You need to be hungry, not happy. And there have been questions about how hungry those two guys are, Thomas and Cairo. And I, I think that, you know, the, we, we talked about the loss of Perron, but the fact that the fact that Kairou in particular looks like he's taken maybe a small step back. I know he's he's been on fire lately, um, and maybe that's just him finding his game or whatever. But I I just don't think that they're good enough. Um, they have to outscore their problems, and they need Jordan Bennington to be great. Um, I don't see stylistically. There's not much difference between Winnipeg and St. Louis right now. Uh, the big thing is, is that St. Louis is worse defensively than the Jets, and Connor Hellebuck is a god amongst men, and Jordan Bennington is a shithead that nobody likes. Yeah, except is people there, in St. Louis because is they there have a to. Least less likable guy in the league right now than Jordan Bennington. I um, mean, Evander Kane still exists, so yeah, but I mean, the fact that you're in the same category. Not, oh, not, well, 
not great. <laughs> What's crazy about where Jordan Bennington is a little bit different than Evander Kane was like everyone everyone like saw all the off the ice shit and was like, oh man, Evander Kane's a piece of shit. None of his teammates like him and he's, you know, he's fucking crazy or whatever the fuck. Jordan Bennington got people to hate him because he's such a dickhead on the ice. And then once people were like, oh, this guy sucks. And then they found out he's just kind of an asshole in real life. And I was like, oh, this guy really sucks. It's hard to get a reputation as like just being an overall shitty human being from like your hawk, like from what you do on the ice, let alone coming to find out you're actually just kind of a shitty person. He's the worst. I can't stand. AJ, thoughts on Nashville, or is this just kind of for me? This is exactly uh, what I kind of thought Nashville would be. Yeah, I I think the big disappointment for me with Nashville this year is just that UC Soros had such a slow start. But now that now that you see them starting to pick it up a little bit and getting kind of back to where they were last year, um, it's goaltending has been better. Um. That's that's really where these teams in the central are. Uh, the they're all deeply flawed and need goaltending to really, really, really elevate them. Um, and John Miller, who apparently thinks I'm wrong, I was going to say. By the way, John Miller, he didn't say they're the same. He said they are stylistically the same. That's very, very, very well. Different. And yeah, the big difference there is if you put Connor Hellebuck in, if you right. switch goaltenders they probably switch places in the standings. So if you put Jason Robertson on Arizona and take him away from Dallas, I'd be willing to bet those two teams do different things in the standings too. Um, So, you know, anyway. Um, With Nashville, I think, yeah, we saw five career years out of their top guys last year, and it was predictable that Mm -hmm. that wasn't going to continue. Um, I, I liked them more as a team this year i thought they were a little deeper but they just have not i don't know i i I feel the same way that i do about nashville as i do minnesota where i think there's more there but i'm just not really sold that nashville just overall doesn't feel very good to me i i think they're just they're just okay yep i'm with you um, let's talk Minnesota and then we'll get into these top three teams. Cause I really do think there's a bit of a separation here. Um, AJ, you mentioned Minnesota the other day as a team. Uh, I mean, it was kind of in passing. We weren't really talking about playoffs or not playoffs, but that this is a team that you could see, uh, as potentially having to be in a fight late for a playoff spot and potentially even ending up on the outside looking in. Honestly, I think all of these teams that we've talked about um, thus far could kind of be in that range. Uh, this Minnesota team has taken a big step back uh, from what we've seen the last two years. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury has been fine. He's been fine. Uh, but man, are they really leaning on Kirill Kaprizov right now? Um, either of you guys have any strong thoughts on Minnesota or again, for me, this is a little bit of kind of what was expected when they made those buyouts two years ago, 
we all knew that this regression was coming at some point. Uh, I mean, look, a guy that they were trying as their one C early in the year, they just waved and gave away for free in Tyson Jost. Uh, what do you guys see here in this, in this Minnesota team? Kirill Kaprizov leading the way with 30 points. Uh, next closest is his line mate, Matt Zuccarillo at 22. I mean, Kirill Kaprizov is the real deal by himself. Like mm-hmm. 11 of those points come about just in the last five games. He is so prolific as a scorer that he can help paper over a lot of the problems that Minnesota has. They will still have the problems that they have. And the concern in net for me is still very real. And I don't know if that significantly gets better and so they're counting on then filling in some holes in their forward group that I think they will have to address at the deadline if they don't I don't see it happening for them even with Kaprizov like I could see Kaprizov pretty single-handedly dragging them to a wild card spot but it's it's going to take a lot there and a lot going right in net for them for me to see that happening they also uh you know, Matt Boldy, he's he's up to 17 points now in 22 games. Uh, he's on a nice little uh, streak right now that has really helped uh, buoy that six points in his last four games. But there was a little bit of talk, I mean, just a couple of weeks ago about, do you maybe need to send this guy down? He went, I think, nine games or eight games with only one point. Um, Marco Rossi maybe hasn't had the start to the year that they were anticipating um, in Iowa. Uh, excuse me. No, I'm sorry. He was, he was with the wild, uh, just one point in six, 16 games. Uh, and I believe he's been sent back down to the Iowa wild. Uh, so just, you know, the young guys, maybe not taking the exact steps that they thought, uh, Megan, you're, you're totally right. Karol Kaprizov's, uh, he, he's the real deal. Is also Kalen Addison's a young player who is, has taken a step forward that I want to give him credit for too. Like I, I was kind of oversimplifying here what I was saying, but Addison is a young player that has done what he's needed to do. Yeah. Uh, one goal and 11 points in 22 games for Addison. Uh, AJ, again, for me, this is, we knew this type of year would come eventually for the wild. And, and I actually think next year it maybe gets a little bit worse. Uh, how do you see these guys? Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I think, I think Minnesota is pretty bad offensively as a whole. Um, Kaprizov is obviously just a, he's unbelievable and should get strong heart consideration if they push for the postseason again. Uh, defensively, I still think they're pretty good. I still think that they, as a group, they really make it hard for other teams. Um, their special teams have also been really good. I think both, I think both units are in the top ten. Um, they're handling Marco Rossi this year downright bizarre. Uh, they the, like sixteen games. He barely played. Uh, he was just not. I I thought they were going to give him like a more serious look. Um, Matt Boldy's fine. Like Matt Boldy's a good player. He's going to continue to be a good player. He. It's it's really hard to be a be the best guy on your line by a lot when you're a wing and like that's part of what makes Kaprizov so special he's one of the very very few wings that does everything for a team he drives play he's he lifts everybody else up he has all the qualities of a center he just plays on the wall (laughs) um just 
and and Boldy's Boldy's really good. He's just not that. He's not at that level. Um, after that, though, they they really just like Joel Erickson Eck is fine. That's a good player, but um, that can't be your one C, man. It just can't be. But he's just not. He's just not that guy. He's not good enough. Um, and to be honest with you, in terms of being a two C, he wouldn't even be a high end two C. So. Um, you know, Eric Senek, like, I, I think the Wilds suffer from, they've got their their top forwards beyond Kaprizov are good, but not great. Um, they they have good role players, you know, a guy like Marcus Foligno um, really makes, is like a great glue guy and, and is great at everything that he does. But again, like, can't be one of your best forwards. Uh, can't be right. so important to a team. Um, that would be like on a healthy abs team, Logan O'Connor being their <laughs> fifth best forward, you know, like it, right. it, it just can't be the case. Um, Minnesota for me is really just, um, they, they are not good enough offensively, but defensively um, they, I think their defense keeps them in it and they are, getting just what they need out of out of their goaltending to to stay competitive uh i i I don't know how to feel about them i think ultimately i think they switch places with winnipeg as the season goes on really um yeah um i do i do think that the jets are in for a bit of a tumble here um but you think minnesota is a team that fills that gap I, I do. I do. I, I mean, between Minnesota, Nashville, and St. Louis, somebody's got to do it. And <laughs> Minnesota's kind of the team that I've liked for that spot all all season. Before, even before the season, they were kind of my team to watch. Um, I, 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 like, I, I, I think that Minnesota's formula works in the regular season. Um, <laughs> and I don't think that it's a high-wire act. Uh, I think that I guess we'll get, we'll talk about it, but I think that the jets are kind of a high wire act. And with, with Minnesota, I think that a big thing that I pay attention to uh, is teams that win games in regulation Mm -hmm. and the wild are doing that, Um, you know, about, about the same level that the other teams around them, except the jets are. And so that's why I think that I've, I've got them switching places at, at some point. Um, fair enough and obviously like i i do think colorado climbs um, those standings once they get healthy yeah and we are going to talk about uh the jets the abs and then we'll talk about the stars here uh this is the dnvr avalanche podcast brought to you by DraftKings sportsbook and hockey fans you can light the lamp this winter with DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nhl new customers can bet just five dollars on a pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Uh, Combine multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, uh, and even more than that, uh, for your shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR. Bet just $5 on any NHL team to win a game. Get one hundred and fifty dollars in free bets if they do only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code 
DNVR. Uh, minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the notes here in this show for more details. Also brought to you guys by our great friends over at Athletic Greens. All this cloud cover today, I could use some Athletic Greens. Uh, this really has become, uh, for, for myself, my fiance, Hannah, uh, kind of our go-to morning routine. Uh, neither of us are coffee drinkers. Uh, this helps get us energized, get us a little bit of a boost in the morning, uh, especially now, like I said, in these cold, kind of snowy, gross uh, weather months. We also, uh, you know, she got a sinus infection a couple weeks ago, uh, drinking that AG1. Like, it really did. It made a difference for her. Uh, by no means did it <laughs> cure her sinus infection, uh, but it did. You know, she'd have a couple a day, honestly, just because it helped kind of boost her up a little bit, gave her that little bit of an immune uh, system boost that just helped her feel a little bit better. She kind of get some tasks done around the house. Uh, so she wasn't just laying in bed all day. She's, uh, she's one of those people that hates just laying around even when she's sick. So AG one helped her kind of get that energy back up. Uh, and especially now going into the holidays is a great time, uh, to get this as a gift, help someone or yourself reclaim your health, arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Uh, especially now that we are in the heart of of flu and cold season. I feel like everybody I know uh, has someone that they know is sick, has a family member that's sick. Both Z and I have been sick for like four days now. See, and you didn't take any AG1 up there with you. You would have been over this two days ago had you just taken some AG1. Uh, but all jokes True. aside, everyone is sick right now, so there's no better time to beef up your immune system a bit. And it's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. Uh, you don't need to take a bunch of different pills and supplements and all that stuff. It's one scoop in your water and you are uh, good to go. And to make it easy, uh, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash avalanche. It's athleticgreens.com slash avalanche uh, to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. This is the DMVR Avalanche podcast uh, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Jesse, Megan, AJ, winding down-ish, but we've still got three teams to go over here uh, in the Central on this uh, Friday afternoon. We're going to start with the Abs because they are currently sitting in uh, third in the Central right now with 27 points, 21 games played. Um, obviously, the injuries are well-documented. We don't need to... Uh, get into all of that. Look, we, we talk a lot about the abs and what the injuries mean and uh, all of this stuff. So I don't think we need to really spend much time on them here. We're really kind of looking at what else is going on um, around the central. So let's just jump here to Winnipeg. Uh, Winnipeg shuts the abs out a couple nights ago in Winnipeg. Can I, can I, can I make one note about the abs real quick? Please. Um, just the one, the one thing, because we've talked a lot about the injuries, but also the schedule has really not laid out nicely for them. Um, were it not for the canceled game in Nashville, uh, when the Abs finished this road trip that they're currently on, they would have played. They would have played uh, sixteen road games versus eight home games, and I'm that's me counting the home game in Finland as a road game because Finland is not in Colorado. Right. Um, as it is, it'll still be 15 and eight. Uh, and they will have done most of their Eastern travel already. 
by the time when by when this road trip finishes, they will have done most of their eastern trips. That's the fact that the fact that they're surviving the way that they are, but they're not sitting at home just feasting on home games. I think is the 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 combination of those two makes it impressive where they are and what they're and and how they've stayed afloat. Like we're not sitting here telling you that they're dominating. They're not. Their results have probably outpaced their actual on ice play a little bit. Um, because they're a very middle of the road team. In terms of how they play, their fancies team wide, all that stuff, um, it's just okay. And when you're missing an entire second line out of your forward core, all of this is to be expected. But I did, I do just want to say that the the home road thing I think is really important because uh, they've got they've got 12 of their 21 games are. Uh, on the road, and it's really 13 of their 21 because of Finland. The cancel game in Nashville uh, kept it from being a little bit worse and gave them an advantage against the Stars at home the next day, uh, which they took advantage of, by the way. And they um, that's a big thing, is that right about the time that they might start to get some of these guys back healthy at the end of this road trip, you know, Nachushkin and Byram have started to make appearances here and there. Um, the month of December, nine of uh, after after this road trip, nine of twelve games at home. Um, so if they were going to make a serious move in the standings, December's the time to do it. They are again counting the the home game in Finland um, as not a home game. The Avs are eight three and zero on the road, uh, and then to AJ's point, right now uh, they are they are in the middle of playing. Uh, I believe it's 13 games in 25 nights. Um, so, yeah, never using it as a uh, uh, an excuse, but schedule has not been kind to the Abs. Uh, it's Winnipeg, a tough setup, man. It's a yeah, tough it setup, is. and it was a like you'd prefer to have the injuries this time of year just because you don't want them in the second half of the season, but this was the tougher portion of their schedule yeah, to get to sure. the December 7th mark. After this, it's pretty even the rest of the year. It balances between home road, home road real, a lot better, but this was the hard part was getting to December 7th and they're two games away. Even if they lose both of those games, you have to feel like they've done a damn admirable job of staying afloat with everything going on. For sure. So 100%. anyway, we can move on. No, you're good. Uh, no, I, I think I think all that was was spot on. Um, Winnipeg, they shut the Abs out a couple nights ago. Um, Don't you mean they won the Stanley Cup a couple nights ago? Yeah, that's what I. Yeah, that's what I. That's what I said, right? Um, <laughs> and, and look, you know, again, the the game is what it is. You have games, you have winners, losers. That's not really how I'm defining this team. AJ, you said that you think this is a bit of a high wire act. Um, Look, this team has kind of gone as Connor Hellebuck has the last couple of years. Everyone was expecting a big year out of them last season, and they missed the playoffs. Uh, people had kind of written them off coming into this year, uh, and they're near the top of the Central Division. What the F is this Winnipeg team? Number number one, man, um, they have eight regulation wins out of 14. So... When I was talking about I want teams that win in regulation, those are teams those are those are teams that are getting it done. 
um, you know, within the 60 minutes. Those are teams that are winning games. That's repeatable. That's sustainable. Uh, the Jets, the Jets, 14 wins right now. They've got eight in regulation. They have six overtime wins and one overtime loss. You're six and one in a coin flip format, 20 games into the season. So when I say that I think that they're that they're a little smoke and mirrors right now, it's not to say that I don't think that they're a decent team. It's not to say any of that. It's not to say that I don't think they're going to push for a playoff spot. I do. But this is absolutely why I'm not buying them pushing for the Central Division title. And in unless they start changing that up, and, and the only significant injury that they have right now is Nikolai Ehlers. And I say only, but he's very very good uh so i don't want to i don't want to take away and be like oh well the abs injuries but nikola ehlers is no big deal he's a big deal he's a big part of that um the fact is is that without him their offense this year has driven play at just under league average uh they are negative in every fancy stat that we look at um they're they're coursey their shots for their scoring chances uh high danger chances all of those things, uh, their expected goals, scoring chances is the only one above 50%, and it's at 51. So you're talking everything else is in the 40s. So they're giving up more. It, this is really just Connor Hellebuck. Connor Hellebuck is this good. It's why it's why he should be. Um, he's on his way to another Vesna finalist kind of season, maybe even winning the thing. He's just exceptional. He is the thing. He is the thing that papers over all the problems in Winnipeg. And last year he was good, not great, and we saw what happened. This year he's back to being stand on his head every night, God amongst men level of good, and you're seeing the result of it. You're seeing their their PDO, um, the Jets PDO is fourth highest in the NHL. Um, if you don't know that, that's kind of a measure of luck. It's one of those things uh, that it does, it typically normalizes over 82 games, 20 games, lots of things can happen. The big thing, the Jets are third and with a 5v5 save percentage uh, of 94%. Now, right ahead of them is Colorado. <laughs> um, the, we know that the abs are surviving on a power play. Uh, that that is unsustainably good. That is unbelievable and will not, it just will not continue. Uh, Colorado's like 33% or whatever of a power play. Just, it just won't at some point it's gonna, it's gonna slow, but with the jets, it's really them getting into games beyond regulation. Some of that is they've blown a couple of games. Um, uh, you know, like the one that they got into with the stars the other day, that was bullshit. They sh they should have won that in regulation. They got cheated, but Still, when you're six and one, 20 games into the season and in overtime, for me, that's a number one thing, especially when all the other numbers at 5v5 show you as a, as a, about the 20th best team in the NHL. So that's why, that's my main reason why I think they're switching spots with the Wild as time goes on. Hellebuck can continue to be great, but right now they are setting up to be this year's New York Rangers. And well, I can tell you, this city would take a Western Conference final appearance. <laughs> they would be happy with that. They don't give a shit what the team's course he is if they get to those Western Conference finals. 
Well, it's funny because we talked about that a lot with coincidentally Minnesota last year. They won a ton of games in overtime. And I yeah. just remember one of the things, you know, us talking about was that's great. You get into the playoffs and you don't get three on three overtime. No, um, and you have to play five on five. You have to mm-hmm. you have to win. You have to win big boy hockey. But we're not in the postseason yet. That's a completely different conversation. Every year, there's a couple of teams that feast on overtime success, and that propels them into a postseason uh, berth. Winnipeg has uh, their early results has set up for them to be that team right now, like like the face <laughs> of that <laughs> archetype. Uh, we'll see as the year goes on if that continues or not. But um, that's the number one reason why I'm skeptical of their success at this level continuing. I I, I want to clarify, like, and just make sure. So Winnipeg doesn't murder me while I'm here. <laughs> I think they're a quality team. It's just Connor Hellebuck is 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 making them better than they are. And yeah. hey, if you're gonna have a best player, it being a goaltender is not a bad one to have. Yeah, not a bad not a bad choice there. Megan, anything to add on this? <clears throat> excuse me, on this Winnipeg team uh, that, like I said, has really kind of been in flux the last couple of years in terms of who everyone Everything. kind of thinks they are. I don't have much to add in disagreement with what AJ's saying because I think he understands this team more intimately than I do. But I do think some things that help make Winnipeg this version of them more competitive from last season are the criticisms that stemmed from the locker room culture. I have heard that the culture in the room this year is night and day different from what it was last season in a positive way. That could change, you know, throughout the course of a season too. But just hearing how healthy it sounds, um, is something that I think will also help the team through the course of the season that I, I'm giving some credit to. The addition of Nicky Lears when he does return to, that's a top-line winger that you absolutely want in your lineup and to probably inject some offense that is much needed. I anticipate Hellebuck will continue to be as excellent as he is. And just in what I've seen of them when they play the abs specifically, I do like what I see in their level of compete when they play a team like the abs and so it's why i'm not counting them out and that's not to say that aj is i don't think he is at all it's just why i i actually do have a pretty high opinion of the jets um and a lot of curiosities surrounding them for sure curiosity surrounding the jets i definitely think is the theme of that franchise uh we're already over an hour here so let's go ahead and jump to the dallas stars uh who for me have been the surprise team of the central not that i thought they wouldn't be competitive uh, I just didn't see them being in this spot. And a lot of that, most of that uh, is being driven by Jason Robertson, just taking his game uh, to a, to an all new level uh, and, and predictably making that weird contract uh, immediately kind of Nathan McKinnon esque where this dude is looking criminally underpaid uh, AJ, several eye rolls there. Are you not buying the stars because of how much it's being driven by Jason Robertson? Yeah, I mean, we're we're talking about um, you know PO and things uh, with the Jets. It, all of this shit is true with the stars at um, a, a higher level. Mm-hmm. Um, they're shooting ten and a half percent at five v five, and they've got an elite power play. Um, if you have a guy with an MVP caliber season, like what Jason Robertson has started to put together, you can, you can get away with a lot. Um, but they're beyond, beyond that line. They 
are not in the same conversation as Colorado. They don't have help coming. They need right. this resurgent Jamie Ben scoring a bunch of goals on the power play to continue. They they need Wyatt Johnston to continue to produce uh, in a in a depth role and and actually be a goal a goal scorer for them. They need those. They need that help. They need Jake Ottinger to be the man. Um, they don't have the kind of reinforcements that Colorado has coming um, to just prop them up and make them a lot better. Once the special team starts to calm down, because these these special teams will um, will will chill out some. You know, I'm not. It may not be a massive drop, but um, also the the coming back uh, from deficits thing. We we see this every year. You know, yeah. This this might be this might be a, a great formula for winning regular season games, and right now it's the regular season, so that's what matters. Dallas is gonna. Dallas is, I think, Colorado's main competition for winning the division right now. Um, and, wow, it's a big limb that I go out on picking the team that has uh, that is leading the division after Currently twenty-four games. First. But if you also look around, uh, they are the worst first place team, and that is still a team that has had a lot go right for them. They have the lowest, when I say the worst, I mean they have the lowest point total of any team in first place in any of the divisions. They'd be third place in the Pacific, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, they'd be third place in the Atlantic. They'd be second place in the Metro. But with teams immediately behind them, um, what one, one and two points behind them. And they've also they've played 24 games, which is uh, on the high end of what teams uh, have played. Megan... On this show, not that we were skeptical of Drake Jake Ottinger, but we were ones to make sure to say, pump the brakes. The kid had seven outstanding games following a good regular season. Yeah. Uh, he's looked solid. Your thoughts on this Stars team? Like, AJ, you know, AJ pointed out the comebacks. I am always skeptical of teams that have these you know, amazing late game comebacks and scoring goals with the goalie pulled and um, all that stuff. When things go just like that, right. For one group, I'm always a little bit skeptical. How do you see this Dallas stars team, Megan? It's another one. Like I talked about star power, top heavy teams. And I do look at Robertson and Robertson's line as being the line of this team, but I do have some concern then just on how the rest of the forward group contributes. And then, Ottinger has also been a positive of this team that instills confidence in my belief that they will remain competitive with the Avs um, because I do think Ottinger is an excellent young goaltender and I think that he is just genuinely good and will continue to be good uh, for this team that the goaltending isn't an area concerned the way it is with other teams like Minnesota for example that is kind of on paper described very similarly to this Dallas team um, but they're also just so well coached and have a lot of players who are experienced and know what it takes to win at a very high level of hockey that those are some things that Dallas has um, in their arsenal that I think give them an edge and why I think they will be competitive throughout the course of this season but some of those areas are concerned will be how depth will be able to contribute throughout the course of the year too. Avs have similar questions to answer so that's why I, I think these are going to be two teams going at it for this regular season. Yeah um I think I think everyone yeah kind of feels the same that it, that it should end up being uh, Dallas and Colorado there at the end. Honestly, running through this division, talking through these teams, I really do think outside of 
a healthy Colorado at the top, uh, and then Chicago and Arizona at the bottom. I think you've got four teams there in the middle that are really kind of, they're just the Spider-Man meme. You know what I mean? Like they're just, they're all same, same, but different. They're, they're flawed versions of, of playoff contenders. Uh, and it's going to be really interesting to see how, uh, this all shakes out. And if what we were saying at the beginning of the show with it being such a streaky league right now, um, how much is that going to affect it? You know, are we going to see the blues all year, just trading, winning and losing streaks? Um, can Jason Robertson keep this up? Can Connor Hellebuck, uh, stay in this form all year? Uh, I think there's a lot of really interesting questions to, uh, have answered by this central division, uh, the central division in general. And something tells me this will not be the last show we have where we talk about uh, this and kind of where all these teams sit. I will say, man, the one thing you do really like with Dallas is goal differential doesn't lie. And Mm -hmm. being in plus 20 plus 27, 24 games into the season is no joke. So you said that you said you made a comment earlier, AJ about um, uh, regulation wins being kind of a, uh, a tell of where a team is at. I, I exactly said, I always like to use goal differential as, you know, a, a, a quick, if you're, if you're, if you're, for me, like if you're looking to look at one thing for how good or bad is a team, um, I think goal differential is a really nice, easy stat. That's easy to find that can kind of give you an, give you an idea of um, where teams are at, you know, are, are these teams. So like you look at St. Louis, they're winning close games and getting blown out. They're right at about 500, but they're negative 17 goal differential. So like, yep. you know, those are the types of teams that concern you. Uh, I look across the Pacific LA is 13 and nine, but they are in the negative. They're in minus three goal differential. Like what is happening with that team where you have a winning record, but you're being outscored. Um, and, and so I, that, that is always one. I think that's a great call out. Uh, the abs do sit second in the central with a plus 18 goal differential with, which honestly, I don't remember which one of you said it, that their, their results are maybe outpacing their on ice play a little bit. That is a really, really impressive goal differential for a team dealing with the type of injuries they are and the roster they've got right now sitting at a plus 18. Uh, to me that, that says a lot about this abs team. Um, any final thoughts from either of you guys on the central, the league, the abs call-ups, anything like that before we get out of here for the, for the week, the you official guys, week, we have a show tomorrow. The Eagles called up Cam, Wright. Yeah. <laughs> Saw that. Yeah. They, uh, uh, they called up, I can't remember his name, the other guy first. And then they also Zach. called up Cam, right? Yeah, Zach, we'll call him Zach. I also don't know how to say his last name. It's like Sikos. Yeah. The is silent. Sikos. Um, to answer the question in chat, we don't know what's up with Josh Manson. Uh, he only played 10 minutes last night. And um, I went back and watched his last shift and didn't, I didn't see anything. Uh, I So I don't know. Uh, I did mention on Twitter last night he has a, a thing with his elbow um, that he's dealt with most of his career where occasionally it like locks up on him uh, and it has taken him out of games in the past. Um, and it could just be that. I don't know. That's purely speculative on my part. Um, but it, it it does seem unlikely that they would have benched him 
uh, last night in the one goal game, you know, whatever. Um, but who knows? I guess we'll find out tomorrow if the Avs actually made it two whole games in a row without in, without like real injury. So, yeah, we'll see. Jury's out on that one. Uh, that's going to do it for today. Like I said, we are done with regular pods, uh, for the week. Uh, we do have a pre and post game show coming at you guys, uh, tomorrow night, uh, tomorrow evening is the abs are in Boston, five o'clock local start here. So we will have you guys all covered on that. We should have Rudo back. Uh, his power should hopefully be restored by then. Uh, for Megan and AJ, we had Allie running the board today. I'm Jesse Montano. This is the DNVR avalanche podcast brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow.